the reoccurring theme of Rand Williams will continue. Be here next week. Well, uh, I'll just go ahead and make one comment. You've noticed we've come back with a style that we really love. We brought the steps back in. We pulled them out this past week. And uh, my wife made a smart comment, so I'll go ahead and share it with you. She goes, no, let them know we didn't bring them in because you're turning 50 this week because you can't get up the steps. But we're anticipating more altar prayer time in 09. Amen? So anyway, okay. Thank you. I'm sure I'll have lots of jabs this week. All right. Kid CEO, turn to the back of your worship guide. We're going to take off together and we're going to talk about parenting uh, for the next four weeks. And uh, it's a brand new series. I'm pretty excited about it. And uh, I've done a few series over the years, over the 13 on parenting. And it's always people are saying, when are you going to do the next one? When are you going to do that? Well, let me tell you, I've learned this. We're better equipped and trained to drive a car, to pursue a career than raise children, says Jim Burns. Would you all agree with that? I mean, it's a pretty high, tall task to raise kids. I'm by no means an expert. I'm married over my head like many of you. My wife's a great partner in uh, parenting and, and raising our kids, and we've done a lot of things wrong, but we've done a lot of things right. Thanks be to God. We've tried to follow a lot of the principles from His Word and learn from others, but uh, I know parenting is uh, one of the most joyful adventures that God gives you this side of heaven. And at the same time, it's the most frustrating thing that God gives us this side of heaven. And all God's people said, oh, that was a little enthusiastic. Okay. Well, we need help. Our help is in the name of the Lord, and hopefully he'll guide us through some principles. But we need to establish a friend right off the bat this morning. We need to call our friend Boundaries. That's what I want to spend a few minutes together this morning talking about boundaries for our parenting skills, our, our parenting lifestyle, about how we can maybe raise more effective kids. Because you go from toddler tantrums. Have you had one of those during the holidays when you're in the middle of something and your kid just freaked out in the store, in the mall, at the house? You're like, yeah, man. And then you go to teenage temptations, you know, and the teenagers are like, oh, man, what are you thinking? Did you check your brain at the door? I, I did, Dad. I didn't mean to, but I just did. Well, there's something about having boundaries in your life. When you have boundaries, you tend to feel more secure. We need boundaries in our marriage. We need boundaries in raising children. We need boundaries in the workplace. We, we have boundaries on, the, on that sport that we like called football. They have boundaries on the field, don't they? I mean, boundaries are just kind of an essential part of life. And, and uh, there's this one boundary that I particularly like, and maybe you do. I know the first time I went to Mexico in 1972, I remember watching them. I watch them here on the interstates and the roads, and you get on some mountainous roads, terrain, and they're called guardrails. How many of you are grateful for guardrails? They keep you from going over the side of a cliff into your pending death. And have you ever noticed when you're riding down the interstate, or maybe you get in a lot of traffic and you look at some of the uh, guardrails and how nasty and beat up they are? That's because people have been running over them. I mean, you know, and, and so guardrails are, are there for, for a purpose. And, and in the church, God has given us guardrails. He's given us pastors and ministers, and he's given us elders. The elders, I tell them, one of your primary jobs is to be a guardrail to your pastor, to make sure I don't do something stupid and go off the side of the cliff. So you need to pray for Mike and Nathan a lot more than you maybe you have in the past. Go, man, if they got to keep up with you, they need some help. And, and I won't say saying amen. But here's a, don't even try. So here it is, Colossians 3.20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Oh, you kids are in here for Family Sunday. Some of you are like, I'm leaving now. Please the Lord. I want to please Him. But obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. That sounds like a tall order to fill. Man, how am I going to do that? Well, 
we know that if we set some boundaries, some expectations, maybe we can be a little more fulfilling, fruitful in this adventure called parenting as we do it together. I like what I read as I was studying. We teach what we know, but we only reproduce what we are. You're trying to get your kids to be something else, but your kids will better catch than be taught that which you're trying to give to them. They catch the truth of the gospel. They catch the lifestyle. If you say, this is what you should do, but you model a totally different thing, well, that's probably part of your problem. So we want to talk about setting reasonable limits, boundaries in our life to try to help us. But some people are like, no, I'm going to parent by a big stick. And if I get a big stick, I'll keep that kid in line. Well, I know some parents like that, and there's a lot of fear and trepidation. And then some parents will go, I'm going to shield my kids from all reality of the world. I'm going to put them in my protective bubble. Let me tell you, don't do that. I understand. Don and I are very protective. We're very prudent. What we do with movies in our own life, what we did with movies with our kids and dating and all these things, we've tried to... But at the same time, you have to give them some rope. You have to let them branch out as they age. You have to extend their curfews, teenagers, parents. doesn't mean you set the curfew. You don't let them set the curfew, but you begin to talk with them about it. But sometimes we go, well, if I put them in a protective bubble, they won't rebel. Not. They'll slip around you. Wait till they go to college. Because Dunn and I did youth ministry for almost two decades before starting the church, we watched a lot of teenagers tube out spiritually at the university level because their parents had kept such a tight thumb on them, they got freedom and they said, Go, baby! Sin much! It's horrible to watch. And yet sometimes we turn a spiritual fire hose on our kids instead of gently offering a couple of refreshing water in Jesus' name to their lives. Some of you do that extremely well. You try to balance of how you give a spiritual diet to your kids. I'm saying that it should be the primary thing in our home, that we give them the, the ammunition, that we give them the exhortation, that we give them the instruction of the Lord, but we don't, we don't cram it down their throat and force feed them. Because we did student ministry for a long time, I, I saw every style of parenting. And I'm convinced the only way kids come out good is by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can do everything right and your kid still has a free spirit and they can rebel. But there are chances that maybe they won't rebel as much or as long. And maybe they'll come to know the Savior in a personal way as you long for them to do. Do you notice every time we do uh, baby dedications, I always pray that they would come to know Christ at a very young and early age. But then sometimes they depart from that. But it says when they're old, they will not depart from it if they've been raised in Christ. Why reject parental authority? Well, here's a couple of reasons. I didn't, this isn't, you can just write it in your notes if you care. But why reject parental authority? Because kids are saying, because we don't feel respected. They don't respect my friends. They don't respect my opinions. Now, have you given a reason, kids, for them not to respect your friends and opinions? Second one, because they don't really hear me. They never listen to me. They're ignoring me. They're inflexible. They're never wrong. They can never admit when they make a mistake. I know that is one of the greatest things in parenting and marriage to go, I am wrong. I messed up. Will you forgive me? How many enjoy doing that? I mean, just yesterday, I had to do it at my house. I'm a bozo. I messed up. Forgive me. I've wronged you. It's called humbling yourself. The fourth one, they don't trust me. Kids are always saying that. Man, my parents don't trust me. Well, my next question would be, have you given them any reason not to trust? Oh, I didn't want to have that question. The fifth one, here's one I hear a lot. My parents are so hypocritical. They're so hypocritical. And I hear people that, why don't you go to church? Because there are all the hypocrites in the church. I'd rather be in the church than outside the world. At least in the church, you're trying to hear the gospel of grace. And one day it might set your soul free. Amen? 
And the sixth one, and I, I hear this one every once in a while, my parents are entirely too lenient. They don't care. They don't set boundaries for my life. Well, I've been doing some study on this, and if you'll turn over to the book of Ephesians, just turn there with me, Ephesians chapter 6. The title is called Children and Parents, the subtopic there in the Scripture. And in verse 1, it starts with this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And then verse 4, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord God Almighty. That's what it is, to bring them up in the admonition and the ways of Christ and to go, uh, you know, I want to be an example to them. Man, what a, what a tough thing to do, to be an example. But it's this reasonable limit that we go, God, in this challenge, I need your help. God, would you sharpen my skills for parenting? Because parenting is hard. i got to tell you, of all the things I've ever done, I think parenting might be one of the toughest things that we do. Would you agree, church? It, it's just hard. You, you don't get a manual for it. In high school, did we take a class called parenting? No. I mean, there's a lot of classes I'd like to add to the curriculum as I've aged over the years, saying, man, this would have been a practical course. Here's one I told Don the other day. I think this would be the most practical course. I mean, I did college, I did seminary, I've done school all my life, and, and I love to read, but I'm convinced there are some courses we should take, and this is one I want to submit. Uh, Dean Ragsdale, I'd like to submit this to you, to your curriculum at Trinity, almost at Trinity University. I want to submit this to you. I think they should have a course that teaches godly economics of how to manage money and the church said i think you ought to learn that in school not just economics the principles but i think we ought to take some dave ramsey courses but here's another one this is one that i marvel that people don't know how to do and i told down this the other day would it not be a great course to teach kids how to read maps hello would that be practical and the other day somebody said smart out they have gps now well, that's true. But the other day, I got turned around and, thing, and I went up to a guy that had a GPS, and he was more confused with his GPS and laptop than I was just trying to say, bro, I just want to know the next exit. He goes, here, I'll get it in my GPS. Whatever. Okay. So, uh, somebody asked Jack Hayford, a great pastor out in California. I went to his conference several years ago, and he, they asked him, he says, what is your secret to longevity of leadership, Dr. Hayford? What is it that makes you a strong leader? And he said this, it's not what I've chosen to do, it's what I've chosen not to do. Isn't that a great word? So what is your leadership principle in parenting? Sometimes it's not just what you do, but it's what you've chosen not to do. That's that part of the catching principle where kids catch you. But let's look at the six skills here needed in parenting because I think this will kind of maybe clarify some. Number one, we need to communicate clear limits to kids. Just clear, not ambiguous statements to kids to where they know these are the limits, these are the expectations, these are the boundaries put upon my life that will bring peace in my home that I might live a good life. And God's people said, clear limits. You're like, man, Keith, in my home when I was growing up, we didn't have any limits. I know. That's, I, I know your story. And others go, man, we had so many limits. We had a rule for everything. And, you know, just get out, get out of the bed. We had a rule for that. But failure to set limits causes trouble and chaos and god wants us to do that so we have to be consistent to teach the rules it's like you have to teach your little kids it's not right to pick up your toy and hit your sister with it you don't pick up your toy and hit your brother with it you do not scream at mama anybody ever said that it is not polite to scream at your mother you're not going to scream at me young man has anybody ever done that i have i mean you have to remember them you have to remind them who's in charge or here's one you got a teenager. We will only have internet in the 
family room, in the living room. It won't be in your bedroom. There's a reason for that. What's it called? Predators. Porn, all, all kind of stuff. I mean, there's just there's rules that you need to build into the fabric and say, we have some limits here. Uh, Christian discipline is always constructive. Write that down. Christian discipline should be constructive. And it, it, it helps build up a healthy child, a healthy self-esteem in Christ. And, uh, and it needs to be consistent. And when we build principles, then the energy flows from the principles of God's Word, not from the feelings we feel. Because our feelings, I learned a long time ago, our feelings are fickle. Our feelings will go up and down. Principles are steadfast. The Word of God is full of principles. And as we model and live and teach and eat and breathe the Word of God and apply the Word of God, not just read and study, but apply it, there's principles that go forth. Um, Proverbs 19:18. Listen to this. Discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. There's a time to discipline your children. And it's good and healthy. And some of you are like, man, I, I love discipline. Some of you are like, man, I hate that. So we communicate discipline from early ages through their life. And we set limits and we set boundaries. And Proverbs 29, 17 says, discipline your children and they will give you happiness and peace of mind. How many of you want peace of mind? And happiness and joy everlasting. You're like, that happens in parenting? Well, it, it can. It does a lot of time. And sometimes it doesn't because we don't set it. So I know that permissive parents always fail to lead. Permissive parents really are trying to be friends, but they create chaos. They create havoc. They create patterns for, for sin. Not wanting to. They're trying to be really cool and acceptable. And, I, and, and as we've worked with teenagers and as we work with adults in, in the last 30 years, I just know that, man, we need God's Word. We need the principles of the eternal. The eternal principles of the Lord Jesus are tried and true and steadfast for the ages. And we need them. And God, thank you for your Word. The second one is this. We need to create a circle of love. We just need a, an environment of love and acceptance and warmth and care and, and, and a good attitude there. And, and, and the thing is, is, if we build a circle of love, when we let our kids off at school, to you moms that have the little ones and they go off to day, the, you know, nursery school, or they go to kindergarten or they go to school, or even when your kids go to junior high and they go to, or, or now they call it middle school, and they go to high school, and when they leave, yes, even when they go off to the university, which we just did for the last one, you know, a few months ago, it, it was hard. You know what? You build a circle of love, and when you leave, they have a circle of love that circles around them. And sometimes when they're tempted, they bump up against the circle of love. So build that circle of acceptance, and they know they're loved, and they know they can come home. And so the, the emphasis here is, God, we need the love of Christ in our hearts, in our homes, in our circles, with our kids. And we need to express love by the way we listen to our kids. Man, this is a hard message because a lot of times I just want to tell Hannah, Rachel, this is what you need to do. They're like, I just need you to listen to me. Like, you're right. First Corinthians 13, 7. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. I love the love of Christ. It endures in every situation known to us. When we tap into, when we abide in Christ and Christ abides in us, we endure, we overcome. This love is uh, constructive, but Write these words down. His love is uh, um, corrective, but here's my favorite word. It's redemptive. I could preach on that word every weekend till Jesus comes. The love of Christ is redemptive. And when we have that love and we express it to our kids, 
Somehow God can take bad situations and he redeems them for his glory. The third thing is we open up communication lines very early. Even when they're young, we begin to open up dialogue with them. Now, when they're really young, you know, you tell them everything because they can't talk. And then you, and then some of you parents are so smart, y'all begin to sign the kids. And the kids sign back to you and they tell you their cup is empty and they want to eat and all that. And that. That's really a cool thing. But we begin to open up this communication and we begin, we should begin to create a climate where kids feel safe and secure and they begin to talk and they begin to express themselves to us. Now, some people say this, my kid just doesn't talk. Okay, I've heard that a lot. Let me give you another statement. Your kids just don't talk to you. They talk. They just don't talk to you. And that right there is a real good reason why we have a student pastor. That's why we have a children's minister. Well, we had one. We're in the process right now. We have some interim people, Adams and Rochelle, that are filling the gaps, and we're grateful for them, and we're interviewing. But as we look at that, but we have those people on staff because we want to help you in the home. We have a a host of volunteers called the Body of Christ because you need people in different environments to begin to speak into the lives of your kids. Because I know in my own life, I know in the life of our children, in the life of your children, when you have outside influences speaking truth into your life, your kids will listen. How many of you are grateful for other people in your life? How about coaches? How about teachers? How about spiritual leaders? How about Sunday school small group leaders? All those people are critical counselors. On this retreat that we just watched, it looked like it was just a whole bunch of fun, didn't it? And it was. But you know what else I know happened? There was a lot of spiritual content and discussion and dialogue and sleepless nights and pranks. And somewhere in the midst of that, life was found for some of them in Jesus. And some probably still have some questions. And some are in a new spiritual place. So let me just tell you this. Let me beg you in 09 to bring your kids up under the admonition of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And also model Christ at home. Amen? I mean, don't ignore the way the church has a student minister. Can I just tell you, it's very expensive to have a children's and a student minister. But it is so critical to the health of the body of Christ to be all it can be. And as Jason and others shape your lives, man, it just leads. And, and then adults, as we minister to adults, it's like, God, we need people. We need to open up communication. And we need to ask them things. And we need to listen to them. And as your kids get older, we need to ask them more and have teachable moments. And it's so easy when they're young because teachable moments are so fun. And when they get to be teenagers, it can be so ridiculous. I mean, it can be so much harder. I mean, like, here's one. Watch TV together and discuss the values that you've seen and maybe make it a spiritual time. Go get a coat. Go to, go to camps together. Go on a mission trip together. Go, go, go talk. Go, go share together. Go, go do something. So I'm like, no, all I want to do is spank them and spank them hard and spank them fast. If that's your whole premise for parenting, can I just tell you right now? Grow up. You're not a very fun parent. Man, my dad, he just beat the fool out of me every day. I mean, what Mike Colin said, and he's one of the most godly men I've ever met, but Mike used to go, you love this, Randy. When he was raising John, we had Kelly come through, and she was Miss Junior Miss and Miss America, and we loved her, and John discipled her, and what a beautiful kid. John came through. He was a great kid. He was just a boy. And his dad, his dad looked at me one day. He says, you know, he says, I, I whip John once a week whether he needs it or not. I said, what? He says, just general maintenance. It just keeps him in line. But, you know, he grew up to be a God-fearing young man and, man, just awesome. And then I just think, man, it's okay to, to spank them sometimes. But listen to them. And, and I know this. If we begin to talk to kids when they're little, they'll tell us their little bitty problems. 
when they're bigger and their problems get really big, they'll still talk to you if you begin to create that atmosphere when they're young. Because we have a young church, and I speak to so many young parents every weekend. I'm just praying, God, please give us parents that have healthy dialogue with their kids. There are so many things I've learned about parenting now that I wish sometimes I could go back and do it again. But I'm grateful that I had a wife that understood more about parenting than I did, and we did it together, and we were blessed, and we're still trying to figure some things out, and man, some mistakes we've made. Gee, have you made some mistakes? Yeah. Will you make some mistakes? Yeah. But when we partner together, we just somehow can do it better. Proverbs 1.5 says, a wise man will hear and increase in learning. A wise man will increase in their ability to learn and to hear, to hear from God, to hear from others. Good discipleship is always a two-way communication. Discipleship with Abba, Father, Papa, God is a two-way communication. I speak to him, but I listen to him. I never will forget when Peter Lord stood on this stage in 2004 and he began for the second time he was here and he said this, he goes, prayer is much more about listening than it is talking to God. Would you write that down today? It'll be in my book. Prayer is more about listening than talking to God. Man, I got that messed up because I always want to tell God what to do. Anybody else want to do that? Can we be honest? Does anybody else want to tell the Father sometimes how to do it and when to do it and how fast to do it and how much? Thank you, sir. Okay, all right, here we go. Proverbs 3, 1 and 2. My child, never forget the things I've taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years. It's a good word. And your life will be satisfying. Children, hear what your parents teach you. And I pray they're teaching you the words of Christ. Fourth, change the performance, but save the person. Proverbs 22, 15 says, A youngster heart is filled with foolishness, but physical discipline will drive it far away. One translation says, folly is bound up in the heart. Drive it from the heart. Drive foolishness. Uh, drive rebellious living from the heart of a child, from an adult. But this discipline thing is healthy here. We want to shape their will but not break their spirit. It's a very delicate thing. How do you shape the will of a child and not break their spirit that is independent, that's creative, that they're uniquely made in the image of the Almighty, and you're thankful for that child and for their gifts. And have you have you ever noticed this? Your kids are different from each other. Oh, yeah. Our daughters, oh, yeah. And you that, I, I think about your family. Y'all have, have those three beautiful boys. I love them. Are they all three different? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. There's something about... When you have one, you're like, well, you don't have anybody to compare it to. When you have two, you're like, oh, yeah. But always, I watch the families of, that have three kids in our church. And, and it's, just, it's just fun to watch y'all's faces at church and to watch how they respond and how they react and the joy they bring you and the, tr- I mean, the trouble, the joy they bring you. I mean, they, they, they just have different temperaments. And, and you want to shape that little creative spirit. And you want, you want them to be all they can be. Like right now, there is probably some kids that will be in the front hall this morning, definitely next week of this family Sunday. And, and there's some, a lot of people are sick out today. Like I already have heard of six families this service that are out sick. So, you know, they didn't bring their families. But, but I'm going to tell you, this whole thing, it, 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 it's just crazy parenting, isn't it? But man, isn't it fun to parent together? And you just begin to say, God, shape them. Because I wonder, what are some little boys and girls we have here? What are they going to do with their lives? Are they going to be our next missionaries? Are they going to be our next pastors and children's minister and youth ministers? Or are they going to, are they going to be discipleship and associate pastors? Or are, they, are they going to be doctors and nurses and teachers and educators and sales and marketing? What are they going to do with their lives? I just pray one thing. They bring glory to the king. 
They live for Christ, and they let their light shine for Christ. And somehow in this church, in this environment, we, we begin to shape them. But sometimes, talking about the change of the performance and the person, we want to, uh, if you ever say the statement, you're a liar, that is a harsh statement to tell a kid. You could go, you just lied to me. You just deceived me. That, that, that was deceptive. But I value you. But I do not tolerate lies coming from you. We don't tolerate lies in our home. Um, the behavior you just acted out is bad for you, but it's bad for our family. See, that's, that's the nature of sin. See, and, and I've said this before, and some people said, you know, you said this one time and I heard it, so I'm going to say it again. What, what we try to do is a lot of times we think we sin and we think it's just about us. Every time we sin, it's about community. Think about that. And when you sin, you sin not only against God and against that person, you sin against your family. You sin against your faith family. That's why we have a thing called purity, and we would exercise church discipline if need be because we believe when our body of church, when we sin, that we have a corporate witness, and our corporate witness matters to God, and it matters to the community. Amen? Amen? And, and so our sin affects each other. So we're going to go, God, help, help me get this performance right. God, help me to, to do the right thing. And, and then I just think about this whole thing about saving the person. Man, just be a cheerleader. I like what John Wooden, the great basketball coach of UCLA, said. Somebody asked him, says, Coach Wooden, what motivates? How do you motivate? And here's what he said. He says, I best motivate by catching my players doing something right. And I go from that vantage point. And I thought about it. That's a great principle for parenting. What, how do I motivate? How do I inspire my children? See, some of you today say, man, this is great for young parents. No, this is for grandparents. This is for singles. This is for couples. This is for people that want to be married one day. This is for relationships. And, and I think about it. How, how do I motivate? How do I inspire? I just catch people. In your office, if you have nothing to do with parenting, you can take this one principle away today and go, that word was for me. How do you motivate that person in the next cubicle, in the next office? You catch them doing something right, and you affirm them, and you praise them, and you cheerlead them for that. Because I found when you cheer somebody on, they're more inclined to do more. Amen? You don't go, you jerk, that stunk. Man, that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. What do you do then? And they walk out, I ain't sharing no more ideas. He called me a dummy. No. Man, that, that was brilliant. Man, that, that was, I could have never done that. Or you tell your kids, I, I I was never that fast. I could have never made that block. I could have never made that shot. And, and you sit down. Maybe, maybe you tried to play basketball. And you go, son, when I played basketball, I missed the first 32 shots I took. Man, you did great today. You scored three points. That is awesome. Because their best buddy scored 13. And he's walking around thinking, I am God's gift to the world. That's a teachable moment. You go, son, that is awesome. You made a layup. They're like, Dude, man, your kid needs work. Well, put him in a little training. I don't know, but encourage him. And, I, and just, just a principle here. Um, you never cease to amaze me. You're a great kid. I want to develop your character. Fifth, here it is. Negotiate without manipulation. Man, we always want to run there, don't we? In marriage and relationships, I want to manipulate somebody and uh, go against their judgment. And, and manipulation, it just is the act of handling uh, work by hand, by force, we begin to coerce somebody into something. We don't want to manipulate them that way. We want to negotiate. You're saying, I ain't negotiating with these little terrorists called kids. No, 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 that's, that's not what I said. You, you see, if, if you just want to be a controlling parent all the time and there's zero negotiation, 
I'm probably going to show you a dissatisfied, unhappy child that really didn't have much of a relationship with you. I mean, I, I think there's a time when they're really little, you tell them, hey, go do that. Well, why? Well, because it would be best for your fanny to go in there and do that now, quickly. Hey, why not do that? Because I'd like for you to do that. Because that makes your mom happy. Because that makes me happy. Because that's what we do in our home. And then you begin to dialogue and begin to help them. But, uh, but if you, you know, if, if you just tell them all the time, and I think there's a time when we tell them and then we begin to get into the talk phase. I know now, as a kid, I, I still, you know, they're 24 and 19, I still like to tell them a lot of stuff. And I'm trying to learn this. Donna's doing better on this. But I'm, how do you talk to them and, and ask them some things? And maybe they talk back to you. I mean, like our daughter, our Otis, has been in Canada. Imagine that. And uh, she'll be back this week. And Man, I've missed the rip out of her. I mean, she's in another country. You know what I'm saying? I know she's in good care. But, uh, but, I, but I'm looking forward to, to seeing her again, you know. And, and I just want to talk. I just want to have that relationship. You, you know what I'm saying? We, we, just, we have relationships with our kids. I, I, as I was studying this, I thought about this I heard years ago. I wish I could give credit. I have no idea who said it. But it just came flooding to my spirit as I was studying Rules, write this down. This is worthy. Rules without relationships breed rebellion. If all you do is set rules in your home and there's no relationship, just expect rebellion and chaos and pain and terror. And if you're following Christ and it's all about rules and that's all it is, you're into an legalistic set of stuff and you just follow the rules of the kingdom and there's no relationship with your Heavenly Father, there's no relationship with Jesus, it will produce rebellion in your spirit. But if you are quick to develop a relationship with your Heavenly Father, if you're quick to develop a relationship with your kids, there can be peace and joy and tranquility and understanding and long life and, yes, even happiness and joy in Christ. And I'm just praying that somehow we'll go, well, God, I, I, forgive me where I manipulate. I mean, I, man, I'm so guilty of that. Man, I, I can manipulate somebody into something so fast. And then when they know it, they go, man, you just, you just made me do that. Yeah, you, you forced me. I can't force you. Like, I would love to force you, everybody to have a relationship with Jesus that's come through our doors, the thousands of people that have come in since we started at AUM. But I can't. But I can point to Jesus and keep pointing people to him. And praying somehow, like today, I don't know if you saw it, I was in the back of the room, and there was one side, I, I want to compliment Tim, you and John today, y'all had some great middle backgrounds, and y'all had one site, oh, matter of fact, I wish you could go to it right now, there's, a, there's, a, there's another cross, it's blue, you had it during the worship set, and it, that's it. I want you to look at those, those lines, can you see that? That, that was just an incredible moment of worship for me today. As I looked at the nation of Israel, and I looked at the cross. King David, the Lord Jesus. Do, do you see the lineage? Do you see the, the link this morning? Is, is that a beautiful sight for anybody but me? You know what somebody told me already this morning? They said, my wife and I were just talking yesterday about Israel. It's interesting, isn't it, how God knits things together. So we negotiate. We love them. We care for them. Uh, and then let me give you this one quickly. Six, model an authentic walk with God. Just model an authentic walk with God. Uh, you know, kids walk in our footsteps. They want to be like you, Dad. You know, all those great songs. You know, if, if we're into drinking and temper and rage and anger and speeding tickets and 
I mean, uh, speeding and cursing and all that. And our kids, a lot of times they'll follow that same behavior because they're walking with us. We just need to feed them the Word of God. We need to feed them the Word of God. We need to walk with God. Walk with God every day. That's effective parenting. Train a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, 6. There are so many principles in God's Word about uh, building the Word into their life. Micah 6, 8. I want you to see this passage. This is what God desires. He has showed you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I love that. To, to do what? It's, it's, it's to do the right thing here when he says to act justly. Just do the right thing. Live for the cause of Christ. Secondly, love mercy, love kindness, favor, goodness, the things of God. Express the compassionate deeds of Christ. And the last one, walk with God. It means walk in the direction of the Almighty. Just walk in His ways. I mean, I can't explain it to you any better. This morning, we're coming to the end of this service, and um, I'm so glad to have these steps back. I can't tell you, this is a great place to teach from, so y'all get used to it. I'm, I'm going to be here, especially as I'm getting older. It's a little easier on me. No, ha, ha thank you, Donna. Um, I hope today, man, I'm not an expert. What do I know? I read a lot. I study a lot. I pray a lot. Practice a lot. Fumble a lot. Whatever. I hope today you've been inspired to be a better parent, a better grandparent, or a better Christ follower. And um, I pray that you'll raise your kids to love God and to honor Him and His Word. In the Old Testament, Moses gave instructions to the Israelites to, to lead them. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. There was a sense of urgency, though. And it fast forwards, and there's a sense of urgency in our life this morning. Um, there are a lot of things that compete for our time and for the attention of our kids to take to steal away their hearts. I love that song we talked about, you know, you've stolen my heart. And I pray that we'll present the risen Christ to our kids, and we'll just go, Lord, you're more than enough. I just want to. I just want to pray with you. Just bow your heads with me. Let's let's just make it a time of commitment as we draw to the end of this service. Father, I thank you for every parent and grandparent here this morning, and I thank you for singles and for young couples and uh, for teenagers and for children. God, I thank you for the godly parents that are here in this room. And Lord, would you help us to control our tongues? Would you wake us up from apathy where we have grown? Uh, distant and we've slumbered in our spiritual commitment. Help us to love your ways, O oh God, to love your house, to bring our kids up in the ways of Christ, in the ways of the church. Help us to be in the word every day and to pray. Father, I pray right now you'd even draw somebody to Jesus on this first Sunday of the year, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Christ, you came to save the lost, to save sinners. I pray right now you would just slide up out of your chair quietly and walk over to the cross couple of elders are there to receive you, to counsel you in the word, to lead you in a prayer of salvation, if that be your heart's desire today. This would be a great way, man. 09 is just beginning. It's only the fourth day of January. You haven't really messed up too bad yet. Forget the things that are former and press on to the things that are new. All things are new in Christ Jesus. I pray this would be a new year of spiritual growth. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. If you, if you just continue to play back there behind me, I want to give you something I found this week. And I've got one minute. I'm going to do it quickly. I want you to write this. Turn the lights up just a little bit so they can see their notes. I want you to write this down. 
this is a powerful site. I, I've taught on this over the years. I've given out plans and maps, but I found a web address that I want you to load it in the favorites on your computer. It's called www.uversion.com. Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N. Uversion.com. I want everybody to write it down. I want you to put it in your computer. If you go there every day, here's the coolest thing. Mike, you're going to love this. When you go to this website, it shows you all the months of the year, and it shows just the month listed, and it gives you the scriptures to read every day. If you will follow this Bible reading plan for 2009, when 2009 comes to an end, you would have read through the entire Word of God in 09. Amen? We're going to put this on our website. I'm hoping you're going to take it seriously. I hope we will be people of the Word in 09. So all the principles I gave, they're true. They're based on Scripture. But the greatest thing you can do is feed on the Word of Jesus. Hey, come back next weekend. We'll continue the CEO series. Thanks for being here.